Reed Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Tuesday morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming out in here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, uh, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here to hang with you for the next two hours to talk. Filled up the Eagles football for sure, but there are also some national football stories that may or may not, may not directly, but uh, they may at some point have an effect on the Philadelphia Eagles. We got a bunch that we can sink our teeth into. We got two good guests coming your way. We'll give you the details on that in just a second. Uh, John, since last we left two and two, and oh, by the way, two and two is how much longer we have to wait for the draft. That's two weeks and two days. Two days. Yeah, we're getting close. It's creeping. It, it truly is. Um, no, no Eagles safety net signings, draft proofing, call it what you want uh, over the last 24, 48, 72 hours. Uh, so all the attention and the focus is on the draft. And we can't get past this B. John Robinson. Ah, I blame Peter King, your guy, Peter King. Come on, Peter. No, P- Peter is there to uh, g- give you what he believes, what his opinion is, not what is best for the Philadelphia Eagles and or the Philadelphia media market. Yeah, yesterday he said uh, the Eagles should abandon what they've been doing since Howie Roseman has taken over as the general manager and use not only a first-round pick, but a high first-round pick, the 10th overall pick on a running back. We know that is not Howie Roseman's style. And I think when push comes to shove, uh, if the Eagles have the chance to uh, pick B. John Robinson at number 10, I don't think they'll do it. But it's not an outrageous conversation. It, it, this is another one of those regular Philadelphia topics. And, yeah, I'm going to uh, get on Philadelphia fans. I can get on all the fans across the country. Shoot, I could get on all Americans across the country <laughs> because our stupid society has gotten so much to whereby you have to make a choice and you have to take a stand and you got to be over the top about it. You have to downplay and deride the other side if they're not on the same oh, side yeah. of the argument as you. Either B. John Robinson is going to be the greatest uh, running back in the history of the National Football League or anyone who suggests it is an idiot because Howie Roseman's track record says he's never going to do it. Why have we become that, John, that that it has to be the polar opposite ends of every debate? 
yeah. And by the way, I I think that's more of a a social media thing. I I, I think in the real John, world, John. I, in case you haven't were, uh, noticed, social media scores a lot of points in the real world. Oh, today. I know, I I know, but I just don't think that's the real world. I think in the real world, there's many more nuanced opinions, and and, and most people understand that. Uh, uh, so I, I think it's kind of a, a small, you know, the old, uh, you know, a, a small minority of people screaming the loudest and they get heard the loudest. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, contextual people. I still think there's more, thank God, uh, as a whole. But for what you and I do, there's less. So we're, we're, we're condensed in that bubble. You get hardcore fans that call on WIP and they're, they're the, yeah, you got to make a decision. He's the greatest running back since Jim Brown and blah, blah, blah. Is he better than Jim Brown? I like what, but you know, and, 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 you know, social media and all that kind of stuff. So we get to see it. We get to be on the front lines and yeah, it's, it's, it's silly. It's ridiculous. And it, it, Peter is listening. Uh, I'm poking fun. He can do what he wants, obviously. And it's not the craziest, um, it's a very good prospect. Uh, you know, I've talked, and I count every year, I've talked to eight scouts so far, so eight personnel people. And I bought, I've asked them the same question that you've heard me ask on the show to certain people. You know, how many true blue chip players are in this draft? And every single one of them has Bijan in there. Right. So he's one of the best five or, or six or seven or eight. That's the most blue chippers. I got eight. Um. He's among those players. And if you're picking 10, then it's not crazy. But then you go into the context. And for us that have been around Philadelphia and Howie Roseman and how he feels about certain things, you're not going to do it. I mean, you know, and, and I'm on the air every day here with you, Jody. I'm on the air every day in South Jersey. You're on the air every day in Philadelphia practically. You know, we're going to be here after the draft. If I get it wrong, I'm, I'm not hiding. I'll say I got it wrong. But every indication I've gotten from Howie Roseman over the years, in front of the camera and behind the camera, more importantly, he's not doing it. So to me, it's a waste of time. But to others, all right, if you want to talk about it, knock yourself out. Uh, but he's not taking running back at number 10. And I, I, I'm trying to make people understand the way he thinks uh, or, or the way I think he thinks. And, 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 you know, it's, it's the old, which I reference too much. It's the old money ball approach. So, you know, when people look at Miles Sanders what a career year, he had 1,269 yards uh, last year. And I think Kenny Gainwell was a 240. And I think Boston Scott is a 219. So we're talking just under 1,700 yards, seven, a little bit over, 1,730 yards, 1,728 to be exact. That's what he wants to replace. That's it. Now, could B. John Robinson get 1,500 as a rookie? Sure. You're that, 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 but what does it matter if you can get um, 800 from Rashad Penny or another draft choice in second or third? Kenny Gainwell really did play well in the playoffs. If he amps up to five, 600, and Boston Scott gives you his typical 240 against the Giants, whatever, um, 
you're right back in that range and you spent, oh, 600000 guaranteed for Rashad Penny or a cost-effective second-round pick, whatever you want to do, whatever, however you go about it. Plus, plus, you have the big-time defensive lineman or the big-time offensive lineman. That's the part that people don't understand. So when Howie does this valuation aspect of it, from his standpoint, it's not close. He's not doing it. Because even if 1730 turns into 1630, especially when you and 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 then the curveball, the further curveball to it all is Jalen Hurts. And I've kind of said this counterintuitively. He makes running backs better. He makes running backs better. There are you know, traditional quarterbacks, they don't do that. You 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 got to be you got to get your yardage on your own and with the help of the offensive line, obviously. And the Eagles have a tremendous offensive line as well. But if you have a traditional play action quarterback, Jody, well, they're just going to hand the ball off, and there's no plus one. There's plus one in Philly all day. And I dug up the quote from Nick Sirianni talking about front side wins games, backside wins championships. In other words, you know, the backs at the threat of Jalen Hurts pulling the football and taking it out the backside freaks out defenses so much that they have to uh, account for it, whether he's running the football or not. And it makes running backs better. You don't need the best running back with Jalen Hurts. All you need is competency. And then you add in the offensive line on top of it. It's a waste of, of, of a valuable resource. That's that's how Howie Roseman is going to look at this. And I don't uh, blame him. Um, I, did you say Kenny Gainwell played well in the playoffs? Yes. He, or did he play well against the Giants? Uh, I, I don't remember Kenny Gainwell dominating either. The Kenny Gainwell was great in the playoffs. You're talking about Boston Scott plays no, well against the Kenny Giants. Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell was great in the playoffs. He was great in the Super Bowl. He's great. I mean, he doesn't touch it a lot, but yeah. he became essentially the guy with the most production because Miles Sanders didn't play well. Kenny had yeah. a disappointing uh, off season, uh, not off season, regular season. But he was solid in the playoffs when he got touches. He, Fort, he was a uh, good player. Versus San Francisco, 14 carries, 48 yards, 3.4 per against the 40 uh, against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, seven uh, rushes, 21 yards, three yards a carry. And neither one of those is all that good. He was great against the Giants in the first game. He was certainly their best back and one of their better offensive players and they had a big lead and they could certainly give it to him. And he, he, he certainly was great, but he didn't do anything special against either the 49ers or the Chiefs. Well, he, he was all, he, he showed some juice and, and the numbers, you know, obviously you want the numbers to be up like six with Rashad Penny. And by no means do I think he's a lead back, but they were very excited. The Eagles were very excited about what he showed in the postseason. He was certainly better than Miles Sanders in the postseason. And, you know, as a, as a complimentary back, they're excited that he's going to take the next step. Now, they still need the lead back, 
and whether that's Rashad Penny or a draft choice, that's the guy that's going to do the majority of, of that getting to 1,730 yards. But it doesn't have to be miles. It just has to be incremental improvement from, from Kenny Gainwell. Um, and, and a typical, again, behind Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and, and, and Landon Dickerson, um, and on and on and on the best offensive line in football, it's a waste of a valuable resource. And typically when you're a good team and by definition, the NFC champions are a good team, even though they lost significant pieces. And by the way, that even bolsters the argument because you got to replace those, those pieces. You don't often get to pick number 10. Um, because Howie fleece people, he doesn't like that term, but we'll use it. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles are picking at number 10. Not by merit. Not by merit, because they were a good football team. It is a waste of a valuable asset. Um, so that's why. That's my case of why they're not taking these. And I'm, I'm partly in agreement with you. And when I say partly, here's what I mean. I would not have a problem taking a running back in the first round. If he is the next Barry Sanders, if he is the next Emmett Smith, if he is the next, you th- went, hey, let's go back in the time machine all the way to Jim Brown. Okay. Yeah. I'll use the 10 pick in the draft. If I know that I'm getting one of those three guys, I honestly don't know that about B. John Robinson. I, I believe he's the best back in the draft. I'm a big fan of Zach Charbonnet, who I rank as the second best back in the draft ahead of Gibbs from Alabama. And I think there's a a difference, but not this cavernous distance between the two. So if you told me that with their uh, pick in the second round, which doesn't come till into the 60s, Zach Charbonnet would still be on the board. And I'm not taking uh, a running back at number 10 because I'm getting who I think is the second best back and not that big a drop-off from Robinson at number 60-something. And I can take two other players in between at 10 and 30 and upgrade and fill those roster spots, the losses that they had on defense. You bet your bottom dollar I'm doing that. Now, unfortunately, I got my football crystal ball here. It's a little hazy. So I don't know that Zach Charbonnet is going to be sitting there at number 60 when the Eagles come up on the board in the second round. If I knew that, it'd be real easy. Thank you very much. Good luck to uh, B. John Robinson playing somewhere else. I'm not even considering it, but that's not how the draft works. And yeah, I don't, I don't know that he's, uh, we've had two running backs taken very high in the last six or seven years. And that was uh, certainly Saquon Barkley, who just re-signed with Giants uh, franchise tag at $10 million. Not really that bad for the season they had last year. Now, he was really good last year. He gets injured way too much. And that's part of what you have to take into consideration when you're drafting a brat back in the first round. And the other one is a guy who's actually out there right now and available in Ezekiel Elliott, who had a tremendous first four or five years with the Cowboys. Uh, you've seen the wear on the tires. You're dropping off. He can't even get himself a job these years. But that's what you're drafting a running back for is that first five years. And then uh, we, we, we couldn't believe what Miles Sanders had to sign for this year. The league has devalued running backs and taking it all in that light does taking a running back at number 10 in the draft play for Eagle fans. Apparently they think this guy is going to be the next Barry Sanders. 
because I don't know that. If I knew that, I would commit to it. I would say, okay, I know I'm getting Barry Sanders. Give me B. John Robinson at 10. The, the, how good a back do you think uh, Robinson's going to be? Do you, do you got a comp or a guy who you, you could uh, put him up next to and say, here's the kind of production I think you're going to get from Bijan in the Eagles, since we're talking about the Eagles, in the Eagles situation with Jalen Hurts, with the Eagles offensive line, how good a back are we talking about? Well, I, you know, I, I asked, you know, because the one guy, I asked a couple scouts, the one guy the Eagles really, really liked was Christian McCaffrey. So, and the reason they liked Christian McCaffrey was because of his receiving ability. They knew he could run the football, but he was generational when it came to receiving ability. And I don't use that term lightly. I mean, generation means once in a generation. And he's not Christian McCaffrey catching the football. He's very good. But nobody, man, nobody is. Once in a generation means once in a generation. Mm-hmm. I don't use that terminology like everybody else does. Um, now, is he, is he, forget about Jim, is he Adrian Peterson? I've asked that question because he's the best runner we've seen in the past 20, the best pure runner. Um, I got to know. I got nose. Well, no, he's not that good. He's not that dominant. Um, so where are you? One name I got was Nick Chubb. Good player. Really good player. 10th pick in a draft for Nick Chubb in 2023? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. So, you know, I you, you got to be so unique to be in that category. You know, the best examples you brought up, one, is Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe. Maybe it could be Ezekiel Elliott. Saquon Barkley. Probably not from a physical, from a trade standpoint, but is that worth it? Either of those two players? Those are the two players I would look at it. And they've both been very good. Ezekiel's first three years, he was arguably arguably the best running back in football. Yep. Saquon Barkley, when he's been healthy, has been the Giants offense. Um, not a lot of help either. Both really good players. Are they worth it, though? I, I would I would say no. I think Howie's right. So is he going to be those guys? Maybe he is, but so what? Let somebody else deal with it. Yeah, see, I, I would even it. say yes. I think he can be those two guys. The problem with Barkley is if you can comp him to Barkley, you have to comp in. And it could happen to Bijan that he's a part-time player because he's hurt because you do need to use him because you're going to lean on him. If you're going to use that high traffic on him, you're going to damn make sure that he gets his carries and his touches and given the chance to make those plays. Well, that's when you put yourself at risk and you could end up hurt. Uh, that's what you need to be at a minimum for me. If you're going to be using a pick that high in the draft and I'm not ready to declare that as far as his talent level goes and what he can accomplish best back in the draft this year. Yes. But if you can get a guy like Charbonnet in the second round and use those other first two first-round picks that you have to be able to fill some of the holes that you have uh, by free agency departures on the defensive side of the ball this year, that's what I think Howie Roseman's going to do. All right, we're going to add a third voice to the mix. And he was pretty outspoken. I read one of his articles on Sports Illustrated about B. John Robinson and whether he should be an Eagles consideration with the 10th pick in the draft. We'll punch up Ed Kratz, Johnny's running boy from Sports Illustrated, next here on Birds 365.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. You're being here with us on Birds 365, streaming in with the Mac and Mac guys. We are lucky enough to get John's running mate at Sports Illustrated, Eagle Maven, Ed Kratz up for a good couple of minutes of conversation today. All right, we got to get you to weigh in like everybody else has. And we still got more than two weeks to go. Man, the draft can't get here fast enough. Uh, to Bijan or not to Bijan at number 10, that is the question, Ed Kratz. How do you frame an answer to that question? Well, I, I was on Bichon from, you know, day one, really. Um, he was in my first mock draft for the Eagles. Um, how do I frame it? I think that he would be a great benefit for this offense, to be honest with you. I think he would help take it to another level, and it was interesting to see how Jeffrey Lurie talked about offense, really made a point of saying uh, that this is an offensive league and they like to score points and – He's right. Everything is tilted against the defense uh, in terms of rules and and whatnot. So, you know, I think he'd be a great addition to this offense. And if he truly is the best player available at number 10 when the Eagles pick, I mean, why wouldn't you take the best player available? Um, But that said, and, you know, I don't think they're going to do it. 
I, you know, I just don't see them taking a running back. There's just not a lot of value at taking one at that position, especially in a draft that does have other options at the position, good options that could come later in the draft um, that would help this team. Maybe not as much as Bijan, but it would help this team, no doubt. So I love Bijan. I think he's probably the best player in what I think is a draft that doesn't have a lot of star power to it. I'm not sure how many Hall of Famers there are going to be uh, in this class, but I think Bijan Robinson probably is at the top of the list uh, if you put it in that context. So, you know, I, I think he's phenomenal, and I would love to see him, you know, run, you know, t- carry the ball, you know, 15 to 20 times a game starting this fall, but I just don't think it's going to happen. It, it, it's because you know where I am, Ed. Yeah. I mean, how he's, how he's not taking a running back at 10. And, you know, so. it could be the, the Jim Brown, the reincarnation of Jim Brown, and he's not going to take a running back at 10. In the modern environment, uh, <clears throat> you know, if, if things shifted, you know, maybe we could revisit it down the road. Um, but from his standpoint, the value's not there. So if he can get 800, I've, I've used the money ball approach with Jody. If he can get 800 from Rashad Penny, 600 from, um, maybe that's a little bit much or 500 from Kenny Gainwell, the usual 250 from Boston Scott. Um, or you can insert name Jody likes Zach Carboneau from, uh, UCLA, if he's the lead back, getting 800, 900 yards. That's good enough. Plus, you're getting maybe an edge rusher, maybe Jalen Carter, maybe a really, really good offensive lineman. And that's sort of the the equation Howie Roseman is dealing with. Is he right or is he wrong? Listen, he came into this organization what the two thousand as a as an intern. Intern, in the yeah. You know, so he kind of learned at the at the knee of Andy Reid and Joe Banner, and this philosophy of building within the trenches. And you know, he's not going to stray from that. I don't think. You know, especially when you look at edge rusher, like you mentioned, John, is who do you have there? You have Josh Sweat, you have Hassan Reddick. Brandon Graham, who's 35 years old, uh, and then Derek Barnett, who is coming off an ACL injury. It's it's very thin. That always perks Jody up, Derek Barnett. <laughs> yeah. He loves him. Still on the roster, still on the cap. <laughs> still Unbelievably is. so. <sighs> yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big, you know, I've always thought Derek Barnett was a good player for this team early in his career, and they kind of injuries caught up to him. But, yeah, he had a very good rookie season. He just never really ignited from there. And that was a long time ago. And that was yeah. six years ago. Uh, so, yeah, my point is, is you don't have much there, if, you know, whether you count Barnett or not. And edge rushers are hard to find later in the draft, in my opinion. Now, I know it's a good group, but you look at the top edge rushers last year, they were mostly first round picks or early second. Chris Jones was an early second, but guys like Bosa and Miles Garrett and Hassan Reddick, they're all top 15 picks, Uh, you know, there's the outliers of a Matt Judon who came in the fifth round or, uh, you know, Max Crosby for the Raiders who came in the fourth round. But for the most part, you know, one to 15 is where you should find an edge rusher. And and there are some in this draft that, you know, 
could help in that regard. I, I like Nolan Smith a lot from Georgia. You know, uh, Lucas Van Ness has been in for one of the top 30 visits from Iowa. Uh, Miles Murphy from Clemson is supposed to be a good edge rusher. But, you know, that to me is what Howie Roseman values. And then you look at the offensive line, another part of the trenches, and they lost two guys. They lost a starter in Siamalo and, and, and a top reserve in Andre Dillard, who was also playing some guard in a reserve role last year. He just wasn't a tackle. So there's some guys there with versatility. I love Paris Johnson from Ohio State, uh, played uh, right guard. Uh, as a, as a two years ago with Ohio State. Last year he was a left tackle, so he can play both sides of the line, two positions. Um, so that's to me where they're going to go. And Zach Carbono is certainly a good consolation prize, if you will. There are other players in this draft, I think, at running back that would help. But, you know, you say Brad Penny or uh, Rashad Penny, not Brad Penny, Rashad Penny, uh, 800 yards. That, that, you know, given his history of health like that, he's that's never cool. done it before, but right. you know, that's he's been in the 600s, um, yeah, and, and with a bad long. offensive line. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, um, but injuries, that's that's always the concern. You know, the guy has not been able to stay away from injuries. And you have to factor that in when you start to make your decisions. And it was interesting, you know, Howie Roseman at the at the scouting combine said, we're going to add it running back. And, okay, he added Penny. He brought back Boston Scott. But is that what he was talking about? These are going to be our ads? Well, no. I mean, he paid Rashad Penny six hundred grand. So, I mean, they could cut him. Uh, and and sure. not lose a second of, of sleep. So it's not that they're locked in, but it is, you know, when he talks about those lottery tickets, that's the one that looks like the, the Powerball. Like if he does stay healthy, if they catch lightning in a bottle, I mean, he's already proven he can play. We've seen it from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if he can average 6.1 yards per carry behind a, at best, pedestrian offensive line. What can he do behind a good offensive line with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts helping? I can see where he's trying to swing for the fences there. But, boy, I got to tell you, Ed, I mean, could be Ed Kratz. They might get – well, you you might not have the knees at this point. But I think anybody behind with, – with Jalen Hurts in that offensive line, I, I can't worry about running back especially when I have so many holes uh, that I have to replace. You're right about Jeffrey Lurie, though, because, and that's where I want to go with you now, he kind of had like a defeatist attitude towards defense. He really did. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't do anything against good quarterbacks. That's essentially what he said. Are the Eagles too defeatist on defense? Like, we're going to put it together with fishing wire, with Nicholas Morrow and – Justin Evans and Terrell Edmonds and spend three bucks at the Walmart clearance aisle is a two defeatist. And that's where I bring back to the, the top 10 pick. Get me some talent on defense. Yeah, it was, you know, and he made a good point. Lori did when he said, you know, our two Super Bowl appearances, none of the defenses could stop the yeah, offense. They could you know, not both really high scoring games. So, yeah, it, it's interesting if he's, you know, sending the message from on high down to Howie Roseman and his staff that we need to build this offense, then they're going to go offense in in the first round. And it, I'm not sure it won't be Bijan Robinson, I don't think. Probably an offensive lineman, 
if you know if that's Lori's message. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They need to. They still got to run people out there to play some defense. And you know, if you don't have the right guys, you're gonna put a lot of pressure on that offense to score 30 points a game. Now the Eagles did that almost last year. They averaged like 28 point something points per game, uh, one of the best in the league. Um, but you still got to be able to stop people. Um, and, you know, to me, you're going to have to find a way to address linebacker, still not fully addressed, Morrow and Dean and uh, who who knows who else. Um, you know, that defensive front, it was fun. I'm sure they enjoyed watching that defensive front eat last year with 70 sacks. Um, you lost a big piece. Javon Hargrave accounted for 11 of those sacks. Now, wh- where are you going to find that kind of production? What happens if, you know, Brandon Graham goes down again with an injury or Sweat or Reddick? All of a sudden, who do you have on the edge to bring in? There really isn't any proven player on this roster. So, to me, you have to find those those pieces here in the draft. And whether they come at 10 or 30 or in the second round, you know, I'm not sure what Laurie will do. But it was interesting, his comments about let's outscore teams. Let's, let's play offense because defenses have a hard time stopping prolific offenses and he might want to make it a prolific offense and he might tell Howie, Hey, what, what's draft Bijan? He would make this offense prolific. You're see, you're overlooking uh, both you and John. Uh, the number one reason why B. John Robinson won't be here. The Eagles have Trey Sermon, who might be the greatest practice player in the history of the. Yeah, National I should always Football. bring up Trey Sermon. It, it, I didn't could knock me over with a feather when uh, the coach was talking about him out there in Arizona. The way that he effusive praise that he gave. How do you not get him into a game if this is the greatest? Why do nobody can tackle him? You should see him in our practices. How does he not get dressed on Sunday? But I I digress. I do yeah. want to ask about a defensive player that you mentioned. And in checking a couple of outlets today, had compilation of mock drafts and see who the Eagles picked and uh, most of these educated guest mocks. And the guy who got more nods than anybody else was Nolan Smith, uh, the defensive uh, edge player from Georgia. You said you like Nolan Smith, too. I don't dislike Nolan Smith. I think he's going to be a very good football player. I don't think he'd be a good football player for the Eagles. Because I don't think you want both Hassan Reddick and Nolan Smith on the same line at the same time because they're two similar players. Undersized, playing the run, not a strength, pure speed guys on the outside. Uh, If I want a defensive end, if I'm going to get an edge guy, I'd rather have one that complements rather than reproduces what Hassan Reddick does. Why do you think Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick will work together? Well, I like speed off the edges, and but you're right about stopping the run. Are they if they're on the field? Can you do it? I mean, people forget this defense was ranked, I think, 16th against stopping the run last year, and that was with T.J. Edwards, right? And that was with Edwards, and that was with Kaiser White. Um, but yeah, two undersized guys. But listen, if you're on a third down, if you're in a passing situation and you're not going to run the ball, and you insert Smith to go opposite Reddick, you know, good luck stop and speed off the edge with both of those guys. Um, you can leave guys in to, you know, chip on them or a running back, but you have to pick your poison. Who are you going to block, Reddick or Smith, in my opinion? And and why I like Smith to the Eagles potentially is that his comp is Hassan Reddick. And, you know, Reddick has, you know, he's got the size, the same frame, 6'2-ish, 240-ish pounds, maybe a little lighter, 235. 
Um, and Reddick only has two years left on his contract, right? So if you bring in a guy like Smith and, you know, you groom him and you play him in, in the right kind of role, maybe he can develop into being a Hassan Reddick type player two years down the road. Um, and again, how he doesn't always look, you know, at the year that's coming up when he goes into a draft, he looks long-term. He looks three yeah, years but should, down Should you look long-term at number 10? The Eagles are usually drafting at the uh, lowest <laughs> in the high teens, more often in the 20s this year, their actual pick, 30. Should you should you be taking – oh, yeah, we, we can take a guy who can we just slowly develop and he doesn't really have to hit his full-top producing speed till year number three. Can you really do that with the 10th pick in the draft? Well, who who would you take a ten that's going to come in and play every single down? I, I either a Skaronsky, uh, Miles Murphy. You hope that the right. Texas Tech kid falls down to. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I, I would certainly take him yeah. as a freakish edge guy and plays a different type of edge than Hassan Reddick. I'm okay with going with the edge. The only guy I don't like is Smith because I just think it's two repetitions of what you already have in Hassan Reddick. But whoever you bring in on the edge isn't going to play, you know, all three downs. You know what I mean? Because there's no, nobody, be... nobody does. Well, nobody, Bijan, even Bijan Hassan probably, doesn't play all three downs. Bijan probably would, is my point. He's probably the only guy in this draft that you can bring in. And maybe you're right. Maybe an offensive lineman like a Skaronsky could step in at right guard and play every down or a pass. That the fans would love Peter Skaronsky. That'd be so exciting. But it'd be a hell of a pick. But yeah, there. I heard some conversation about his arm length. You know, he's only got the thirty-two and a. What are you talking to Groats with arm length? Yeah, right. He he's yeah. <laughs> he's a big uh, arm length guy. But Paris Johnson's arms are over thirty-six inches, and and Skaronsky's are only thirty-two. I I don't know what you know. Well, Micah Parsons is a T Rex, and nobody can block him. So right. he's got little tiny arms, and nobody can block him. So there's always yeah there's always outliers, and. Yeah. To me, the one outlier in this draft is Jalen Carter for a lot of reasons. Because I, I don't think if he didn't have some of the off-the-field stuff, and who knows, he was out of shape at his pro day. Yeah. You know, maybe that had to do with the stress over the legal stuff. I don't know. But I do know that he was the best player in this draft until all this started. And I saw on ESPN, and I don't know who it was, but they didn't quote, them they didn't get him uh, uh was an a afc scout saying boy that looks like a howie roseman pick jalen carter that's a howie roseman pick and we haven't talked about this a lot uh ed but i don't think jalen carter's getting by seattle mm -hmm. and if he does get by seattle he's not getting by chicago so the eagles aren't going to get him at 10 well they go up to get a Howie Roseman pick. And I agree with this AFC scout. If there's ever a Howie Roseman pick, Jalen Carter's that pick. Um, would they go up to get Jalen Carter? See, I mean, why is he a Howie Roseman type pick? I mean, was did he go into detail on that? Because to me, he's a red flag. Well, he's a defensive tat. He's a defensive lineman. Obviously, you're assuming he's past that. So you're assuming Dom DeSandro is you know, cleared him and Jeffrey Lurie's okayed it. So the assumption is he's on the board from a football perspective is I think what he was saying. Yeah. That's an Eagles pick. This is, this is a, this is a player. The NFC champion shouldn't be in a position to get 
but they have this unique opportunity to get who might be the best player in the draft. All due respect to Bijan. Um, seize the moment is I think what he's saying. Seize the moment. Will he seize the moment? Yeah. Well, I just, first I'll just say I'm not as high on Jalen Carter as probably everybody else. And I, I wonder how much he loves football, you know, Howie and Nick love guys that can ball, you know, I'm not sure. Jalen Carter loves the ball. I'm not sure his maturity level is a big question mark. Could he fit with the Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean in a locker room where he was involved in that tragic accident? Good friends of Jordan Davis were killed in that. You know, I talked to Jordan about that and he was pretty beat up emotionally when those two friends of his were killed. And now it turns out that Davis may have been racing with them or not Davis, but Carter. I don't know. But, you know, to me, there's a lot of questions that Dom DeSandro and that security staff have to answer. But if he's there, he gets by Seattle, you want to trade up and get him. I don't know if the Eagles have the resources unless a team in that range is willing to take something next year because the Eagles, we know, are going to have a plethora of draft picks. This year, they just don't have the resources, in my opinion, to move up. I mean, can you imagine – Howie Roseman sitting on his hands from when they pick at number 94 and watching 125 players come off the draft board before they swing. No, I, I think, oh, but you can add, you can send 30 and move up and you can add by trading down the second, third rounds. He, he's, he's very crafty. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but again, if you go up, you're going to have to give up that 30, right? You're going to, you're going to have to give yeah. up 30, maybe something next, probably something next year. Um, I'm just not sure that's a good use of what they have available for a player that, in my opinion, has a has a lot of, you know, secure, you know, red flags that need to be answered. And, you know, I, I don't I think it's a big gamble if they were to move up for somebody like that. Yeah, he has the potential for, a, you know, big reward. Uh, but I you know, you have to make sure you're comfortable with that. If you're going to give up the limited amount of resources you have in this year's draft, when already you're, you've got this wasteland on the on the fourth, fifth and sixth rounds where you don't pick anybody. Uh, you know how he talked about how hard it was to sit on his hands after they took Carson Wentz second overall and had to wait to number 79 to take Isaac CMO. 77 players came off the board then talked about having to leave the room, the draft room and being talked out of probably making a trade. I mean, imagine sitting for 125 players coming off the board. To me, if anything, he's going to trade back to try to get more picks in those rounds. Uh, I, I just don't see it being a good use of their draft picks or, or their resources in this draft to move up for Jalen Carter. Yeah, see, here's, here's why I have the problem with uh, Jalen Carter and taking him. Um if you'll just look at the draft order right now, could Seattle use a guy like Jalen Carter? Yeah. Could uh, Detroit use a guy like Jalen Carter? Do they have a desperate need elsewhere where they just have to fill quarterbacks? Up? No. Uh, so they could take him. Could Atlanta use a guy like Jalen Carter? Yeah, they could. Um, Chicago could absolutely use a guy. So all these teams are going to pass on him. You've got to assume, as per an Albert Breer report yesterday, that some teams have completely taken him off their board. That they've found out something, they've come to a conclusion that this guy certainly isn't worth a top 10 pick, and the Eagles going to take him? Is it because the Eagles have just softened their stance on give us your tired, give us your troublemakers, give us your maniacs, we don't care, just give us your best football players <laughs> compared to other NFL teams? 
if if they do that, then this kid better be a superstar, better keep his nose clean, because otherwise they'll be second guessed forever. I just think it's going to be a bad look if the Eagles take him and a bunch of teams who have legitimate needs for a star player like him at that position go ahead and pass on him. What do you read in the fact that Albert Breer is reporting some teams have completely taken him off their draft board? Yeah, well, I would think that's going to happen. I mean, every team evaluates players differently. Um, but, yeah, that that's telling that other teams. And you look at Howie Roseman, who doesn't like to reach for players that have that kind of a history – and, you know, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. You're right. I mean, it's a, it's a high-risk, high-reward situation with Jalen Carter. To me, I, I question whether he actually loves to play football. I don't, I don't know. Um, got to love ball. You, gotta love, you have to love ball. If I'm going to trade up, I might – if Tyreek Wilson, if, the, if, if we see a first in NFL draft history, no, there has never been four quarterbacks taken in the first nine picks of a draft. And if we see four quarterbacks go in the first five picks – and Will Anderson is that fifth pick. Tyreek Wilson sitting there at six. Would you trade up? I would go up for Tyreek Wilson maybe. But, again, I just don't think with the resources they have available in this year's draft that they're going to be able to get up there and, and be able to add picks later on in the draft because they only have six picks and two of them are in the first round. You're going to eat up that capital to go up for a player, one player, when you have some other needs that you need to address, maybe not just for this year, but two, three years down the line when the bill starts coming due on other players like A.J. A, a, a Brown, like a Kenny Gainwell, you know, when these contracts start to come, come up again, uh, to me it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You can get a good player at 10, someone that can come in and do like Jody said and contribute right away, maybe play every down like an offensive lineman. Bijan Robinson, again, I keep bringing that name up. I mean, to me, he's the home run pick in this draft. And, you know, the Eagles have shocked us before. They shocked us when they took Jalen Hurts in the second round. You know, maybe we're going to be in for another shock with B. John Robinson at number 10. They'll always shock us somewhere. Along, yeah. But it's usually the second, uh, third round. Um, yeah. Tyree Wilson, though, you mentioned, uh, he's the other guy, I think. Um, and, and he's not as high profile, but. Uh, if they're going to go up, that would be the guy. Uh, and Dave mentioned that. Dave Zangaro mentioned that as well uh, yesterday. So that buoyed my thoughts about that, uh, that he would be the other difference maker they might consider, and a targeted move up. I'm not saying going way up, a targeted move up, like they did last year with Jordan Davis. A uh, very small move up to make sure they get that particular player if he starts to drip a little bit. Um, you talk about that second uh, first-round pick. If they don't move up, they don't move down, which I think you're right, Ed. It's more likely they move down than move up. I'm just throwing it in there for a potential mm -hmm. difference-making player. But if they're sitting there with 30 and, and it's coming down and we all say uh, the Eagles don't take running backs since Keith Byers, they don't take linebackers since Jerry Robinson, blah, blah. They haven't taken safety ever, ever <laughs> in the first round of the draft. Brian Branch, Alabama, um, for this reason, one, you can call him a defensive back. You don't have to call him a safety because he plays – just as much nickel as he does safety. 
Um, they love those mirrored players, as Jonathan Gannon used to call them. C.J. Gardner-Johnson can play in the slot, can play safety. Avante Maddox can play in the slot, play safety. You got another guy, Brian Branch. That, to me, fits like a glove. And he ran pretty poorly. Uh, at least, you know, not for you and me, but <laughs> for what he was expected. So I think he's going to be there. Well, the Eagles draft a safety, but call him a defensive back to get around it in the first round of the draft, Ed Kratz. No, I'm going to say no. <laughs> they won't do that. Um, I again, made my best case. I know, and he's a, he's a good player, but we've seen other really good safeties come into this league before where we've debated whether the Eagles are going to take them in previous drafts, and, and they don't. They just don't do it. Um Again, I think edge rusher offensive line is that's the territory. But 30 is also the territory for maybe a Hendon Hooker, who probably is the fifth top quarterback in this draft, maybe even higher than that. But he won't go because of the injury, I guess. But if you're the Raiders sitting, you know, in the early second round and you want to come up and get Hendon Hooker, you could look to come up to number 30 for the Eagles and you get a quarterback who you have under contract for that uh, extra year. Um I think that's a trade out territory for the Eagles, number 30 of all the, of the two picks. Oh, uh, I, agree. I you, agree. You know, I think, you know, if you trade out and you go into the second round and get an early pick, maybe Brian Branch makes sense there, but I just don't see them staying at 30 and taking a, a player like a Brian Branch. Um, I just don't, I'm not even sure they would do it if they get an early second round pick. Um, you know, I, I just don't think, that they just put that much value. You know, you talk about their linebacker value. You talk about what Lurie said in terms of defense. I mean, I'm not sure they would invest a pick at a spot like safety if you can get an edge rusher, if you didn't address that at, you know, number 10. And there are good edge rushers that you can find early in the second round. Um, and that's more of a value, what they put their value in. So, no, I don't – I really don't think – Brian Branch would look great on this defense, good player from Alabama – We've seen how we go to Alabama two years ago with Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson. Um, but I just don't see them drafting Branch anywhere in the first round, wherever they pick. All right, Ed Kratz, need your opinion on this because we've asked everyone over the last uh, several weeks, uh, <coughs> since, uh, almost a month since free agency really kicked in. Um, are you good with the Eagles wide receiver core right now, one through three? Or do you think they need to upgrade at wide receiver three and push Quez Watkins down to four? We know they lost Zach Pascal, and he was a specialized guy, very good at blocking, caught the ball when, as infrequently they threw it to him as they did. Um, do you think they need better than Quez as their third wide receiver and their three wide receiver sets? And if so, how do you get that guy? Yeah, I, I think they're fine with Quez at three. You know, Nick Sirianni said, listen, he, there's just not as many opportunities to catch the ball. And maybe Quez pressed a little bit trying to make the most of those opportunities. But, you know, two years ago, he had a really nice year. Nick Sirianni's praising him as one of the top, you know, he could be a top wide receiver on any team. And he slipped a little last year. Um, so I know it's not a popular opinion. I know people want to bring in somebody better than Quez, but again, he's on a cheaper contract. I, yeah, you, I, I, I'm anxious to see Devin Allen to see if he, 
uh, is able to take that step after spending a year on the practice squad. Um, they're not the practice. Yeah. He was on the practice squad. I, I'm anxious to see him. I, uh, I, I just don't think again, with the limited resources they have, uh, I'm not sure they'll take one in the first two days. Now, maybe if you get into the seventh round and you haven't gotten any other picks, you know, earlier on day three, you know, maybe I like a tank Dell, that receiver. I think he's from Houston, a little guy, real quick. Yeah, he, really good. He, he's not going, he's going to be day two. He's not getting to day oh, three. You think day two? Well, yeah. Oh, I think he'll be a, a sec. I don't think it's a third round pick. If he gets to day uh, three, uh, no, no later than the fourth. So the Eagles are going to have to. I'm still, I'm this. still kicking myself on Marcus Jones. Um, I tried to get the Eagles to draft him. Um, yeah. Went to New England. Yeah. yeah, went to the Patriots, play. right? Had a pretty good season. Oh, tremendous. Plays receiver, cornerback, safety, punt returner, kick returner. Maybe the most versatile player in the NFL. Well, um, I mean, maybe maybe tell Tank Dell with the 94th overall pick. They do have that pick. I think it depends what they do with their first three draft picks, uh, you know, what positions they go to. But uh, I personally think they're fine with Quez. They like Quez. They think Quez is fine. There's not a lot of opportunity uh, for that third receiver. You have to make the most of them. And maybe Quez tried to do too much with them. Uh, and it backfired on him and he pressed and he struggled. He had the injury he mentioned that kind of set him back from a physical and from a mental standpoint. Uh, but they could look to upgrade and how they do it. Maybe they go with a receiver in the third. I just don't see it. I, you know, I think they'll try to bring people in as undrafted free agents. Again, they, they've done a good job bringing in undrafted free agents that have helped this team. TJ Edwards was one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Britton Covey, who returned punts, was an undrafted free agent. I know a lot of people don't like him and think they could upgrade there. Maybe they could. How could you not like Britton Covey? Good Maybe kid. the nicest person on the planet. Yeah, but again, could you, you know, you're thinking football, and yeah, yeah. you'd probably find somebody better. Um, but again, taking a, a leap in his second year, maybe he's a little bit better in his second year. Uh, but I, I just don't see them with the limited resources they have going receiver uh, until the, maybe the seventh round. And then of course, in the undrafted part of the, of the draft too. So maybe it's because I remember Kadarius, Tony and Sky Moore scoring touchdowns in the Super Bowl. that I go, yeah, they got to get a better third wide receiver than quest. Uh, game on the line, Super Bowl potential championship. On a, yeah, I got to get a guy who I'm 99% sure is going to catch. Well, the, the Eagles don't use that kind of motion. So it's not going to matter. Jody, to have a manufactured player like the Chiefs use. Understood. But that's another but question. They, they caught the ball, and I watched yeah. Quez drop too many balls this year and let someone pull it out of his hands for an inter interception. Well, he would have caught those passes, but the Eagles aren't using that motion, which is a criticism of the coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff. Everybody obviously wants to kill Jonathan Gannon. All right, I'll leave it here at Kratz E. Uh, follow Ed on Twitter, uh, uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. We can't run back Aaron Seapos again, can we? <laughs> Not after the soup Super Bowl. You yeah. know, a couple of years ago, I was a big Presley Harvin guy. Um, hmm. Steelers got him in the seventh round. Could they dare take a punter uh, in the seventh round of the draft? Well, I was going to say. I, I don't know. I, 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 Nobody knows names, but I, I mean, more positional. They need a punter. They need a punter. 
I was going to say, if you're going to get down that Super Bowl road with Quez, you can go right down that same road with Sipos. That's true. I mean, very true. Uh, yeah, but I agree. They they need if they need to bring somebody in to compete with Sipos. I mean, he's just kind of been kind of given a free ride uh, as far as no competition in his last two camps. You got to bring somebody in to compete with him and try to wrest that job away. And uh, this could be the year. Probably won't come in the draft, but maybe again another undrafted free agent type. I'm not sure there might be a punter or two even still available in free agency. Uh, I'm sure there are, but probably the Brett Kern types. Yeah, Yeah. right. So, and again, I I haven't studied punter names because, again, it's six picks, limited resources. Are you going to go punter? I don't think so. Well, you can probably get an undrafted one. Um, Last year, that kid from Tulane, uh, another big kid, big punters, he was undrafted. He was really good as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Wright, I believe is his name. He was really good. So you can find um, undrafted kids, but they got to bring in competition, right? We're yeah. not going to. Yeah. I would think so. Here's exactly. here's how the Eagles get their punter. Uh, the Eagles undrafted free agent punter will be this year's Carson Strong. They will give him more of a signing bonus than anyone else will. They'll get the best of the undrafted lot. And you know, there'll be one, two, three max punters who are drafted. So you should get at a minimum, uh, the worst case scenario, the fourth best punter in college football this past year. And the Eagles will get him because they remember how much money they gave Carson Strong. That didn't quite pan out. Mm-hmm. And that was one yeah. I got to take a an L on because I thought that was a great move. Oh, they got this kid was going to be drafted. They got him as non drafted. He couldn't play in the league. So uh, I, I got faith in Howie that he's going to get the best undrafted punter by paying him uh, the most money to sign. Uh, Kratz, we got to run. Always a pleasure, my friend. How many All days right, till the draft takes place? What are you going to be doing the next 16 days? <sighs> Writing about the draft. I mean, what else is there to do? I can't, like you said, to start the show. What, I can't wait for the draft to start. Come on, yeah. let's get here and let's let's see. You know, well, hopefully, here. hopefully, we gave you some ideas. I'll be looking for that punning uh, piece. <laughs> <laughs> Special you know, day, always yeah. a pleasure. Hey, thanks for hopping on. We'll talk to you again uh, next week or the week after. We're certainly going to get you on again before the draft. Thanks, buddy. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, Ed Kratz, John's. Uh, Pen pal at Sports Illustrated always does a great job when he jumps in with us here on Birds 365. All right, speaking of the draft, in hour number two, we're going to have a guy who we're going to go heavy draft with, Emery Hunt. I apologize to Emery ahead of time. I honestly, we, John, you assure me we've had him on before. I'm getting we old. Have. I don't remember that. I remember Kratz. Well, we've we done uh, over 500 shows, so it's, you know. That's a whole bunch of guests, but a lot of them are repeaters. Uh, so uh, shame on me. I can honestly say I don't remember Emery. I recognize the name. I've read some of his work. I don't remember him showing up there on Birds 365. But he will make his second appearance in hour number two. And so, by the I, way, Emery, uh, Emery played running back in college. So... I want to get his thoughts on uh, not well, only you'll have an opinion Robin, on uh, Bijan Robinson, not only Bijan, but the devaluation of the position as a whole as a guy who used to play it. So, you know, it's uh, 
That's a good thing that you mentioned that because you you then have to take his comments in that vein, in that light, looking through that prism, that he's an ex-running back, and he's probably pretty pissed off that they've downgraded uh, devalued running backs in the National Football League. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hey, do us a favor, hit that like button. Somebody put it on the stream, only 23 likes or something like that. You're watching the damn show. How much does yeah, it like it? How you much does it draft like intel button? here if you're paying attention? Zippity doodah. We're, we're, we're working our you know what's off for you. The least you can do is hit the like button every once in a while. McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Yeah, Maga Mac here with you on Birds 365. Yeah, the countdown to the draft well on. Two days, two weeks. We still got way too much time. Uh, so I'm going to put it aside for a couple minutes. Do want to ask you a couple things, Johnny, before we punch uh, Emery Hunt from footballgameplan.com up to talk uh, serious draft stuff. 
a couple of lawsuits yesterday that were of interest to me and should be of interest to the National Football League. Number one, the commanders settled a lawsuit with the District commanders. of Columbia <laughs> for non-refunded ticket security deposits or whatever else. On, on its face, it doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot, but I saw in Mike Florio's site, Pro Football uh, Talk, uh, suggesting that maybe something like that tells us that the sale is getting close, that Dan Snyder could be out of the National Football League sometime soon, which if you're looking at it from an Eagle perspective, that's not really good news. Dan no. Snyder has not been a good owner and has helped to impart, I should say, large part, keep the Washington football team, the commanders, the Redskins, whatever you want to call them, uh, safely ensconced behind the Eagles in the division more often than not. Yeah, I don't want to see Dan Snyder go. Yeah, I, I, I you know, it is bad news for the Eagles uh, because the, the new owner would almost have to be better than the old owner. Um, I think, you know, the hope is, um, the hope should be, if you're an Eagles fan, uh, that Josh Harris uh, gets the team. Uh, you know, I think you've already kind of seen, if you're a four-for-four fan, he's not terrible, but he's not the, the great the 76ers owner. just finished up a season where they had the third-best record in the NBA. Well, we all know why. I mean, they spent how many years losing, Jody? I mean, yeah, they got good players, but he doesn't – what I'm trying to say is he's not – a win at all cost guy. That's he's fair. A, he's a, you know, manufacturer, um, uh, money guy, which there's nothing wrong with it. Just reality of it. You know, he owns teams, you know, he owns, uh, New Jersey in the NHL, I believe still mm -hmm. owns that team. Oh yeah. Uh, now he's trying to go down to Washington to buy a football team. Um, he reminds me of Red McCombs, if you remember Red. Red would just buy sports teams and eventually flip them. Uh, that's the type of owner. Still going to be better than Daniel Snyder, but that's your best-case scenario. What you don't want is and, – and remember, if you're buying an NFL team today, you you got a lot of money. You've got a lot of money. There's no more Mark Davises. There's no more uh, – uh, uh, Browns in, in, in Cincinnati, you got to have a lot of money. And if you're willing to spend that money, uh, not just in obvious ways, but behind the scenes ways when it comes to facilities, uh, um, front office staff, support staff, um, that's the worst way. So, you know, I don't know what Jeff Bezos would be as an owner but I know he's got more money than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So uh, if he wants to use it to win, that's bad news uh, for the Eagles. Either way, you're going to get a better owner, but you know, I, if I were Eagles fans, I'd be rooting for Josh Harris. And I'd re be rooting for the sale to fall through. So Dan Snyder could stay in charge <laughs> and the Eagles could keep the football. Well, team yeah, that's the best case in their rear view mirror. And the other lawsuit that I first heard reported yesterday was, have you heard the, the, this Dwayne Haskins civil yeah. lawsuit down there in Florida yeah. that he was supposedly kidnapped and was being blackmailed 
And when he was tragically killed on running on a highway, which I didn't understand well, it was why was a he... strange story. I mean, it was strange and getting stranger yeah. that they found ketamine in his system, yeah. which kind of backs the story that he was captured and or being kidnapped and given a sedative and maybe he was trying to get away. And that's why he was out there running on the highway. This is just. Uh, th this is a telemovie that they got to do a, a Netflix uh, 10, 10 part series on. If this is the case, it, it was as sad as could be when he tragically passed. But now there's more to it. Now, there were no criminal charges uh, and, and this was investigated and no criminal charges were filed. But a civil lawsuit has been filed that he was kidnapped. Really? Johnny, is this uh, just a, a, a attempt by his family to keep the pain in the background? Or do you think there's actually something to this? Um, I mean, I, I have no idea, no idea there's something to it. But, I mean, it was a very strange story. Um, that could be the explanation for why it was so strange. But, you know, if he was drugged, um, you, you would think that um, the investigation would have uncovered that type of thing. Uh, and, and the fact that it's Sybil uh, leads you towards, you know, maybe conspiracy theory. But, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody has that information. So they, they certainly did a toxicology report. So, you know, he was legally drunk, I know, at the time, um, you know, Blood alcohol levels were way above, like three times yeah, the legal, double legal limit. limit, more than double. Yeah. Um, but you know the ketamine aspect of it, as you mentioned, there was another drug I I can't even remember. Um, you know they they're anesthetics, but they're also used, uh, you know, by people who want to get high. So there's kind of. Um, uh, a back and forth with that. It was interesting that the truck driver that hit him was one of the uh, suits. I don't know how he's involved. Crazy story. Maybe, crazy, maybe he was part story. of the kidnapping team. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not educated enough on drug use uh, to be able to say, yeah, ketamine is used recreationally. Really? As oh, far yeah. as I know, it's, it knocks you out. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that it that I know from watching uh, Better Call Saul and breaking. Yeah, yeah. ketamine is using yeah not, all the time. Not sure how you would use that recreationally, but it is a very 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 weird story. And um, if if there is uh, anything to it, then I hope I hope that the uh, people uh, from Haskins family can get to the to the bottom of this, and uh, if they can uh, be compensated in some way, shape, or form for their loss more power to them. I just, he, 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 again, this is something you would think you would get on Netflix, not something you would get on the sports you page. You might get it on Netflix eventually. Yeah, could very well be the case. Uh, and one other guy I wanted to take a little bit of a dig at, um, and I I was always a fan of him because I just thought he was pretty cool, and for a period of time, he was very good. Cam Newton saying he should be a starter in the National Football League. Uh, you have to have some self-actualization. 
Cam was bad. Is he wasn't not good enough. He was flat out bad his last couple of years in the league. And if you really do want a job, coming out and saying you're better than starters in the National Football League, probably not going to ingratiate you with those teams who have those other guys in place as their starters. No one who isn't thinking about drafting a quarterback at the top of the draft doesn't have a quarterback in place right now. Why, why do guys do that? Is it ego? They just can't control their ego that they're going to over-evaluate themselves? And, and I think a lot of guys in the league do that, but they are smart enough to keep it to themselves rather than just put it on blast for everybody in the National Football League to, to hear. Why do guys do that? Why Cam Newton shooting himself in the foot as far as getting a job in the NFL this year? I mean, one one of the dumbest arguments that I hear on on you know with NFL fans and and both critics and even uh, I'll even go to ideologues with uh, Colin Kaepernick back in the day is the sentiment that he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. Now you've heard me say it as well, but the people that don't add into that could be the case. That could be the case, but situations and context aren't, aren't factored in. Like if, if you're in a position to get a a Bryce young or CJ Stroud, or even an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, um, would you, rather have the young quarterback with upside who maybe isn't ready right now more so you know obviously more so than Bryce and CJ that would be Levis and and Anthony Richardson or the you know that that the how old is Cam 33 34 who's played for ever um and is you know at best a, a one year solution money comes into it you know, nobody brings up money. What did Colin Kaepernick want to play for three years out of the league? He wanted to be a starting quarterback. He didn't want to be a starting quarterback. He wanted a ton of money. He didn't want a ton of money. All of this stuff matters than just sitting down and getting on a soapbox and saying, he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. How could you go with blah 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 instead of blah 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 it's dumb it's it's regressive and that's you talked about the beginning of the show jody about why everything is boiled down to well people because people boil it down to that and then they hitch their wagon to it well he's better than anthony richardson oh is he not if you're building an nfl team not even close not even close. Your point about taking it within the context is is absolutely on point and needs to be focused. Here's the problem. I don't even think Cam is one of the best 32 quarterbacks. It, 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 I've heard people make that argument. Shoot, I made that argument. I made it about Kaepernick because I thought he was one of the best 64 quarterbacks. And there were teams that needed badly to upgrade the backup quarterback, and they just chose not to for the varying reasons that they had. Cam's not even one of the best 32. It isn't like Cam's a high-maintenance quarterback and he might be asking more, more money to team. I that all that becomes irrelevant to me because he's not one of the 32 best starting quarterback, uh, 32 quarterbacks in the world. And if he's saying, I only want to start, well, no, you're not good enough anymore. Cam, sorry, your game is deteriorated. 
and all those other things kind of get pushed to the side when you can't even rightfully, so my opinion, can't rightfully make the claim that you're one of the 32 best quarterbacks. Uh, I will go out on a limb and tell you right now, Cam will be exactly uh, sitting on the sidelines when the season starts this year, unless he does a complete 180 and or a team has two major injuries in the preseason I don't think the call is going out to Cam Newton in this upcoming year. All right, E. John McMahon, I'm Jody McDonald. Emery Hunt from footballgameplan.com going to jump in with us next. Also does some work for CBS HQ. We'll talk NFL draft with Emery Hunt next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. NFL draft can't get here soon enough. Oh, we still got two weeks and two days before it does arrive. 
but it doesn't stop us from talking about it. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac Barge 365. We got a draft expert to jump in with us from footballgameplan.com. Does work for CBS uh, HQ as well. Emery Hunt uh, joins us here on Birds 365. Uh, are you like us? You can't get the draft here quicker. You, 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 you put an X on the calendar every single day. Just get here already. Give us something that we can really sink our teeth into. How much looking forward to this draft are you, Emery? Well, I'm looking forward to it. But you got to remember, I'm football 365. So I've been engrossed in XFL stuff, getting ready for the USFL this upcoming weekend. Yeah. You're watching in XFL. The draft, you're, so. you're, oh, are, yeah. you, are you Mr. – you're the one. You're Mr. XFL. I didn't know one existed. Listen, man. Oh, St. Louis, man. They, they Those people love that team. The here, Louis here's battle. what I, I, I don't get is that if we're doing draft stuff and all these scout reports that I put together, and I know a lot of these guys are not going to go to the NFL – it makes it more watchable to watch the alternate leads because you know all these guys. So I want to see what these dudes do out there on the field, getting their opportunity to play. So I am always involved in football. Uh, Emery, I see your jersey up in the background, Raging Cajuns. Uh, now, I know you used to play running back, so a couple questions. One, people in Philadelphia are going nuts about B. John Robinson. I mean – they're not going to take him, but they think they're going to take him. But anybody who knows Howie Roseman knows. So it's a two-part question. Where where do you get, and not necessarily this draft, this draft, but also, you know, go back five, ten years. Just how good is Bijan uh, as a prospect? And as a former running back, you know, how do you feel about the NFL as a whole sort of devaluing the position over the past 10, 15 years? No, uh, two great questions. And to attack the first one, uh, initially, yeah, I recently just compiled my running back rankings from 2020 to this year's class, and Bijan were ranked third behind Jameer Gibbs and uh, DeAndre Ooh. Swift. I was a big DeAndre Swift fan coming out. So still to say third with an 85 grade in my in my rankings is pretty high because Bijan to me is a really good terrific all-around back he's a three down guy you can leave him out there he's a great downfield threat in the passing game not just one of these meets expectations running backs that catches swing screens flares and flats you're supposed to do that you can send him downfield in the route and he'll be excellent the reason why i like jameer gibbs better because he does all of those things just a little bit more explosive and a little bit more dynamic um so for me whether they take Bijan or gibbs could kind of help make this offense even faster, it doesn't really matter to me because I feel like they can't go wrong if they go running back at one of these picks. Uh, but I feel like with two picks in the first round, with the way they've compiled their roster, they're sitting pretty sweet in, in any direction they go in. And to answer your second question, I just find that these people talk out of both sides of their mouth because they'll say, oh, you don't take a running back high. These guys don't last long. Uh, you don't give them a second contract. Their best value is when they first come into the league as rookies. Well, would that make sense to take them in the first round? Because you get them at their youngest, at their best, yeah. at their most explosive, and you get the fifth-year option, and you can decide after the year after year five if you want to extend them or if you just want to go back into the draft and draft another one in the first and round. The next one, yeah. and, 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 not a, and not everybody is a first-round back. You know, there's a difference between Barry Sanders and myself. There's a difference between the jokes in the chat, Brian Westbrook and myself, right? So you want to take the guy that can put the ball in the paint early, very much so, and often. Um, 
So there's a difference between I saw some Saints fans uh, talking about this before. Well, you know, you don't really need a Reggie Bush because you can get Alfred Morris. What? Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right, let me ask you about the third of the triumvirates of backs, and I think these are the top three, and then there's a bit of a drop-off, um, and that's Zach Charbonnet from uh, UCLA. I'm a big fan of his, and specifically for the Eagles, because I think of the three, he's the best between the tackles runner. I think he's got the capability to bounce it outside and uh, go around the corner and make big plays, maybe not as many as the other two backs, but I do like his combination of skills, and I think it's a better fit with the Eagles. How highly do you rate Zach Charbonnet? He's someone that I would value in that third, fourth-round range. Um, I like him as a player. He reminds me a lot of James Conner. So if you look at the way the Eagles' depth chart is constructed, you can probably say, okay, he can fill that role. But you kind of ask yourself, do you already have that? in what Rashad Penny will potentially bring to the table. I know Rashad Penny has the health issues, but even with you comparing both backs, Penny is much more explosive. He can he has the ability to hit the home run, and that's what Charbonnet lacks. Charbonnet is more, and it's not a, a one-to-one comparison. I'm just talking about how, you know, when you look at a James Conner, when you look at a, a Jordan Howard, these are guys that are kind of more along the lines of your – four-minute offense guys, your pace setters. Now, where I feel like Charbonnet has some success is that he does have better footwork than Connor. Um, so he does have the ability to read front side to back side. I like his vision. Uh, he just doesn't have that second gear or even that third gear to really rip that long run. But when you look at the depth chart of Philly, you kind of say, okay, can we bank on a healthy Rashad Penny? And do we have someone, maybe, is he better than Kennedy Brooks? That's the other question that you're going to find these guys kind of going through throughout this whole draft process but the player itself uh Charbon, I, I am a big fan of uh the running game as a whole emory and i want to bring jalen hurts in the conversation for this reason um you know nick sirianni talked about it uh last year i think his quote was uh front side wins games backside wins championships when you have a quarterback like jalen hurts that can pull the football does that make it easier for a running back uh, in general? Absolutely. And I've said I've been on this position since, you know, 2009. When you have a, a guy that is mobile, it enhances your run game. You can even go back to Tim Tebow, right? And people love to bank on Tebow. But when he was in Denver, guess who had the beneficiary of seeing advantageous boxes? It was Willis McGahee. You know what I'm saying? And so, to me, if you have those guys, CJ2K wasn't CJ2K with any other quarterback outside of Vince Young. He was CJ2K with Vince Young. He was CJ1300 with everybody else, right? <laughs> you look at Michael Vick, compare with Warwick Dunn, had his best yards per carry in his career, had his highest season total rushing. It makes it better. So when you have a, a dynamic quarterback that's um, a plus one in the run game, paired with a great back, the numbers could be ridiculous. That's why Eagles fans are excited about the potential of a B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs. They can see a potentially 2,000-yard rusher if you pair up one of these explosive backs. Now, to quickly to quickly piggyback off that, Emery, so I want you to put on your GM hat. If you're a GM, and this isn't the traditional um, you know, play action quarterback drop back quarterback that needs a significant running game that needs a Adrian Peterson type that can 
you know, run the football. Is does that affect your thought process saying, hey, I can get the production I need from a second or a third round back because of my quarterback and I can go get an edge rusher or a top tier left tackle. Does that affect your thinking as far as how you're building the entire roster? It depends on which back are we talking about. Are we talking about Zach Charbonnet in round three or are we talking about someone that has a potential to go 90 yards on any given carry, right? And so that's the difference. It's the difference between a Barry Sanders and whoever was backing up Barry Sanders. I think it was Gerald Moore or somebody, right? That's the difference. And if you're Philly, you can also even take it a step further. Do we need someone uh, as a slot receiver? I know Quez Watkins is trying to make his hay in, in that position. Can we get the, you know, the same thing from a guy in the slot? which is why when you look at one of these backs, let's say a Jameer Gibson or even a B. John Robinson, can serve that role too. So, yes, you have to look at your team, how it's constructed, how much of a drop-off do we have from um, Kenneth Gainwell you know, to the guy that we could potentially draft in round one. And when you look at, okay, we got a good running game now. Where else on the team do we lack? Do we need a standout pass rusher, a young guy that can really get after it? Are we high enough to go and get a Will Anderson, who I think is the next Terrell Suggs? Or do we look at someone, I know Eagles fans probably have been crying for this, um, and they haven't really done it. I know they have N'Kobe Dean, but man, I'd be hard-pressed to pass up on a, a Deion Henley late in the first round because of what he does. Remind me a lot of Fred Warner. They can also go cornerback. So they have to look at their roster and decide, is like a scale. Where are we, you know, kind of lean? Where can we use an, an elite guy? And where can we get better? Right now, running back does seem like a luxury, but it would be hard to to pass up on guys that can ring that cash register up quickly, like a Bijan or a Jameer Gibbs. If there is a position that the Eagles, somewhat like the rest of the National Football League, but maybe even a little bit more so, have devalued. The only one that's been devalued more than running back is linebacker. So, it, it, Johnny and I keep saying, they're not going to take a running back at 10. They're not going to take a run. They are not going to take a linebacker at 10. That's no chance, no shot, no how, no way. That's just the way that the Eagles look at the value of the position. So, instead, I want to go to that. You, you touch on a couple names. The edge uh, guys who are available in this draft. If we put Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson to the side, that they will go before we ever get to the 10th pick in the draft, and I think they both will. Next three guys, Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, and for me, Miles Murphy of Clemson. I have them as the next three edge guys. Some people may have them in a specific order. I want you to put them in the order of, how they best fit the Eagles. And if that's, hey, Jody, here's the way they rank. Here's the way you got to plug them in for the Eagles too. Vaness, Smith, Murphy. How do you rank those three edge guys if the Eagles are going to take an edge guy at 10? I would probably rank them Smith Mur uh, and Murphy and Vaness probably tied. I like the versatility of Vaness. Uh, he has shown that he can rush over the guard, which is cool. You know, it gives you a, a unique NASCAR package. Um, I like Murphy's ability. He has been productive over the course of years, but Smith to me has elite level clothes. Um, and that's the ability to see the ball carrier, see the quarterback going away and just quickly hit that accelerator and close with that length that he has to make the play. I would also throw in a guy. If you can't get one of those three guys, I was also throwing, uh, 
Villamy Fihoku out of San Jose State. He has the energy and the explosiveness off the edge uh, that that I just see yielding itself positively to Philly's defense. But if you talk about the specific three that you mentioned, Nolan Smith, to me, uh, would give them exactly what they want. Uh, pressure. I know that's an all Georgia defense, you know, but <laughs> they, they, uh, they, it's where they don't mind it at this point. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise uh, me to see them end up with Jalen Carter too. So that could yeah. be on the table. Well, that's what, you know, we don't know. None of us know where teams are when it comes to the off the field stuff with Jalen Carter, but from your standpoint, Emery, just as a pure football player, um, where does he rank for you? in this draft in sort of that is he in the blue chip category still after showing up a little bit out of shape could have been the stress from everything else going on um yeah. could have been a lot of reasons the film looks really good um to me he was the best player in the draft is he still the best player in the draft i agree too many players say he's the best player in the draft but i will say he's definitely worth a, a top 10 pick put it that way and uh, can definitely help your defense out right away. And I agree with you. I think when you're dealing with life situations, it, that, that really can bother you, which is why I'm also high on Brian Brissy out of Clemson. Another guy that dealt with life issues all throughout last season. In addition to coming back from an injury, he's still a blue chip prospect in my eyes, just like Carter is. And so again, it's a good draft, um, especially if you need, someone on the interior both offensive line and defensive line carter has shown that he can rush the passer he can be disruptive in the run game and he can fill a void uh playing next to his former teammate in, in um jordan davis in addition to getting that rotational uh, work behind uh, you know a guy in fletcher cox that has been stellar since he's been in philly uh so yeah i, I still would take carter pretty high and, and so um, the conspiracy theory theorist in me thinks that Philly is the one that planted the seed to, you know, drop oh, the story yeah. at the combine when the defensive tackles were our defensive line were going to speak at the podium and puts them right in position to where he can fall to where, where they're, they're in striking distance to go up a couple spots to go and get them. Love when our guests put conspiracy theories out there that involve the Philadelphia Eagles. It makes our job easier. Um, I, I know it doesn't have a direct impact on the Eagles, but as a tangential uh, impact on the Eagles, the quarterbacks. Um, different people have different rankings of who should be ranked where and where what kind of grades they should be getting. And we know quarterbacks are oftentimes overdrafted. How good a quarterback class is this in your mind? Uh, is there a legit debate about who should be number one, Stroud or Young? How do you grade the quarterbacks that are in this year's draft, Emery? This class reminds me so much of 2017's class. And in 2017 class, I had the three guys clustered as, you know, the, as guys I would take in the first round. Uh, Watson, Mahomes, and Deshaun Kaiser in that order. This And I all had them with the same grade. So in this year's class, I have Richardson, number one, Bryce Young, number two, C.J. Stroud, number three, but all with the same grade. And then behind those guys, I strongly feel like this is a good year uh, for teams to really either get a, a solid QB2 with that that has potential uh, QB1 upside, it, just like 2017. I want to say my fifth quarterback, fourth quarterback in that class, I had I was 
big fan of Gerard Evans out of Virginia Tech. Fifth guy was CJ uh, PJ Walker. Um, I wasn't as high on Trubisky, and in this class, I, I'm not as high on Will Levis. Uh, but there are guys within this draft class that I think can be solid QB twos and have that Taylor Heineke type. Hey, let's get him in there and let him start, and then he proves to be a solid player for them that they could win some games or like a Sam Howell. Um, this this is a really good class, and I know people poo poo on you know the the guys at the top and. You know, they constantly want to change. But, man, people have to understand how now, well, since COVID, since 2020, how valuable your backup quarterback is because your starter will miss a game or two. You yeah. better have someone well, that's competent. Yeah. Uh, at San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. You know, you start losing quarterbacks, uh, you're in deep trouble. Um, Hendon Hooker is a guy who was interesting to me because he's older. You mentioned COVID. That's part of it. Yeah, you have some older prospects now uh, because of what went on. He's, I think, he's 25. So, you know, who knows? He might not even be on the field till he's 26 or 27. Do you think he's a first round talent? Do you think he's a first round pick? Um, where do you have Hendon Hooker? You, know, I, I don't think he's a first round talent, and um, I, I, I would feel comfortable with him. <clears throat> in the second round and, and here's why because you touched on it and i can't wait till we get back to normal eligibility yeah years um because as a draft analyst it's hard to know who's coming out who's going to take advantage of their sixth year of college football and you know seventh year of college football um but when you look at now what's happening on the back end you're getting guys that are 24 25 26 year old rookies and for quarterbacks, I know that's different. I know it's unique. You don't have to think everybody can play until they're 40, but not everybody plays well late past 35 like Tom Brady did, right? Yeah. Um, so when you look at Hendon Hooker, and, and this is how I would do it if I'm in the draft room, for a team specifically like the Raiders. You know, if you're out of that top three where you're not going to get Richardson, Young, or Stroud, don't force a Will Levis at seven. Take a position player, take the best cornerback out there, and then in round two, get a guy like Hendon Hooker that can come in and play right now because what you're getting with these guys that are 24, 25 years old, like a Jaron Hall, you know, like a Adrian Martinez, guys that have played a lot of football, they're 25, 20, you know, 24, 25 years old, plop them in there right now with a solid team around them, and they should be able to at least keep this offense or this team afloat to where it puts you in contention to probably get us one of these last playoff spots. So out the older prospects, you kind of knock them down because of the, the upside potential. They're, they're probably at their ceiling. And when you factor in him coming off of an ACL injury, I know it's a knee, but not everybody returns like Adrian Peterson, right? Yeah. So every knee injury is different and it's a psychological thing mostly. So I think if I'm a team, that has a spot for, let's say, a, a Minnesota Vikings in the second round would make sense because you still have Kirk Cousins. You're not pressed to push push Hinton Hooker out there. It makes sense to get a guy that's able to step in and, and play right now um, instead of someone that you need to have to develop. Just remember Jake Hayner. I've been saying this guy for two years. Jake Hayner. Love, love yeah. the kid. He's going to be a day three pick. He'll he'll eclipse a Taylor Heineke. He'll actually get a chance to start more games than Taylor Heineke does. But uh, I know he's a day three pick, but he just I, I love he's the He's a gamer. He's, I will say this. He's a gamer. Yep. Um, and you saw this down at uh, the Senior Bowl in the – 
the the drills all throughout the week, he, he didn't do well. But when he the last day of practice, which was that Thursday before they had the Friday walkthrough, Thursday they did game like situations where they did full team drills and driving down the field in two minutes. He excelled, so it tells you he doesn't practice well, but he plays the game well. So he'll do great in a game situation. And I'm glad you brought up Heineke because that's a really good comparison. To, uh, hey, some guys may not practice like, you know, look good in shorts, but when it's time to really lock in and, and win these game situations, that's where Hayner tends to perform well. And that's what you need out of your backup quarterback. Come in. We're, we're not going to ask you. We're not going to overexpose you. We need you to come in off the bench, keep a lead, be able to win one game for maybe two most and get your quarterback back. Jake Hayner is going to be that kind of player in the NFL. All right. I got to ask you about the other skill position. And that's wide receiver. Eagles have Devontae and they've got A.J. Brown. So they're not looking for a guy who's going to step in and get 70 catches as a rookie or maybe even the next two or three years because both of those guys are locked up with contracts. But I think they could use an upgrade at wide receiver three. The Eagles are in three wide receivers. What, Johnny Mack, 70% of the time? Uh, a little bit less. They play more twelve than most people, but everybody plays a ton of eleven. So you need a you need a third receiver in the NFL, no question about it. How good is this draft, wide receiver wise, top to bottom depth? Uh, is this a wide receiver draft where you can get someone late day two or some point day three? If the Eagles, we know the Eagles will be drafting a wide receiver. The question is where and when. And how good a draft is this for them to potentially catch lightning in a bottle? I think it's really good. Uh, again, just really studying these guys deeply or in-depthly um, because I break these receivers down into four positions, split in your X receiver, your Z receiver, your slot receiver, and what I like to call bigger inside receiver, which is the Marcus Colston position. Um, and looking across the board, it's a very good uh, group of receivers. So, yes, you don't have to take – one in round one you can get one in on day two but when you look at philly man and you think about creating problems again that's why i said philly with two first round picks can really go anywhere right i know they have other needs and you guys touched on wide receiver being not necessarily a, a, a significant need but no. definitely they want to improve the wide receiver three it, it would you take jackson smith and jigba to step in right there as your slot receiver. Yeah, but you're, yeah, in the first round, no. Second yeah, but, round, no. And and he's going to be gone well before that. So I think you got to take him out of the conference. I'm a big fan, and I don't think there's any way the Eagles are going to they, – they'll have the ability to take him. I just don't think they'll use a first-round pick on him. You don't think is going to fall into the second round, do you? I'm not talking about the second round. I'm talking about one of those two first-round picks. If, yeah. if the situation yeah, presented right. itself. You also have Zay Flowers. You also have Jordan Addison. You have guys that can win one-on-one matchups that you want to pick, uh, that you want to put in in the inside and have that success, create that void. It all depends on how explosive you want this offense to be. It was what, the number one, number two offense in the NFL already? Or do you double down and use both of these picks on defensive players or point-of-attack players, D-line, O-line, you know, just to build that depth and continuity? Uh, but for me, when you're talking about the receiver class, like I said, it's deep going across the board. It's just about what type of receiver they want to fill. I think they'll focus on that slot position. Yep. And based on what the slot position has done in college football and how we normally see four wide receiver sets, sometimes empty uh, more often than not, we're going to see a bevy of guys at all the different positions 
um, at receiver <laughs> that can play uh, a significant role early in the NFL. So give me a slot guy, not someone who's going to get drafted in the first or second round, third round or earliest or maybe even later, a guy might be a little underrated, under the radar, a good slot receiver who will be available in the third round or later. Let's talk about, uh, I give you a, you want a big slot or you want a small slot? Which one? What would you say, Johnny? Do you think they would I, 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 I want a small slot because I'm going to ask you a question after this about a potential big slot. So, uh, <laughs> All right. Let's go small slot. Let's say Josh Downs out of North Carolina is there in round two. He is someone I think will be there uh, within striking distance for Philadelphia, maybe in that mm-hmm. mid-second round range. He's from North Carolina. Um, I've always said this, you give someone like that with that level of quickness and elite speed and, and, and burst a two way go it's curtains. He's, he's, it's over for you. Um, so for me, when you think about what they've built on the outside with guys that can win above the rim and Smith and also Brown, um, you want someone that can do that much damage across the middle. I think Josh Downs can be that guy in North Carolina, a small slot. Nice. Uh, okay. Last one from me, Emery. And before I get to it, make sure you follow him, uh, at F ball game plan on Twitter. You hear the tremendous knowledge he has about the NFL draft, uh, footballgameplan.com. Your 2023 draft guide is out so people can order that. Make sure you do it. I want to go outside the box and I'll give my friend Dave Zangaro credit for this because he mentioned it yesterday on the show. And I said, hmm, that, that piqued my interest. The Eagles need an upgrade, as Jody mentioned, that's sort of that third receiver. Not really their fourth receiver because Dallas Goddard is their third receiver. Why not? I just mentioned they play more 12 personnel than most teams. And they love Georgia players now. We, we're talking about them all. Right? They might get Jalen Carter. They might get Nolan Smith. Last year was Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean. Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia. If you have Dallas Goddard can play in line, he's a great blocker. If you have a kid like that who was so athletic as a flex receiver, and you have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith on the field, what do you do? What What are your thoughts on on, on Darnell Washington, who didn't play a lot because Georgia's so good, but he's got so much athletic talent so many gifts from a size a matchup standpoint just your general thoughts on him i feel like he's one-dimensional i feel like he's with the colts have and their big tight end that they drafted last year jelani woods out of virginia um but that one dimension is receiving right uh, i think he's just a big i think he's just a big guy playing against 18 19 year olds which is why brock bowers was there dynamic duo. Oh yeah. Well, he's tremendous. So I feel like if you take a Washington, if, if, and you know, I think Washington is really good in a run game that would allow you to put Dallas Goddard, kick him in more of a flex H back position and allow him to run routes because he's a better route runner than Washington. He's a better receiver than Washington. Now Washington can then kick out wide as your red zone threat um, because he's big uh, but in terms of like doing a lot of the things that Dollar, uh, Dallas Goddard does, I think Goddard is a much well-rounded player than Washington is. But Washington would still give you the, what you want in a run game uh, with the seam 
of flexibility because he's such a big guy going down the middle of the field. Also can be as a you know jump ball guy inside of the red zone. But I feel like um, someone like Sam Laporta of Iowa would be a better fit um, for from a dynamic standpoint because now you have two route runners essentially um, that have blocking experience uh, right there at tight end. But Washington, if you're expecting him to be, you know, uh, Jimmy Graham, I, I don't think that's his game. All right, last one for me. Um, last year with the Eagles, they got off to a phenomenal start in turning other teams over. It's got a lot of turnovers, kind of petered out in the second half, probably due to C.J. Gardner-Johnson's injury. Uh, they just didn't turn teams over. And the coach likes to talk about uh, chunk plays and avoiding chunk plays and getting turnovers and the like. I want to ask about a very specific kid, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. <laughs> Eagles had him in as a draft visit guy, six pick sixes in his career at Mississippi State. Talk about turnovers, taking it to the house with a turnover or something everybody on the planet wants, and you just can't project. Though. You, you can say he did it, but you can't say he'll do it as soon as he gets to pros. Eagles brought him in. Uh, they're going to take uh, some secondary help at some point. It's not going to be with either the 10th or the 30th, just my opinion. How good a player is he? Do you think he can do the type of things he did at Mississippi State in the NFL? What, what ball skills like that shows you? Um, it shows you a guy, and it's different than, remember the safety Louisville had, I want to say probably about eight years ago, they had like 13 interceptions his last season at Louisville. Um but 13, a lot of little, really, yeah, he did. Wow, and, how do I not remember that? that 13 yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an ungodly point. number. Well, here's why because he wasn't the best athlete, he wasn't fast, and a lot of those interceptions came off tips, and he just happened to be in the right spot, right? Yeah. But Forbes, that's not the case. Forbes does show the high level football instincts, twitch, and IQ to really turn the ball over. And he actually does a great job when he's playing off coverage. So now if you're thinking about it from a defensive standpoint, you can press on one side and have him sit off on the inside uh, on the other side of the field and dare you to throw that quick slant, dare you to throw that bang eight, dare you to throw that, that dagger out. He's going to jump it. He's going to turn it over. And like you mentioned, he's going to bring it back the other way. So obviously everyone focuses on his weight, you know, him being 166. But when you watch him play, He's throwing that 166 in the run game and blowing stuff up too. So, nice. and I'm not worried about weight. You're going to be able to gain weight. There's enough cheesesteaks in Philly to help him yeah. with that, right? So, I'm not worried about him being 166. I love the instincts. I want to see him get better and much more confident with his hands because he does have the length and he has to know that, hey, I'm a long guy. I have to use it consistently at the pro level to be able to play more bump press coverage. But when you're playing him off, it, adjacent to someone that's playing press quarterback's going to have a problem yeah, yeah i'm not going to worry about his weight because just two years ago i remember being Devontae, yeah camp. Devontae, Devontae smith look at those toothpicks for legs how the <laughs> hell is he going to stay upright in the by the way uh emory i i agree with jody i now don't care about it because i've watched Devontae, but Devontae's exactly. special um he does have toothpicks for life. It's amazing. Uh, it, it, it is amazing. And he's really a physical player. Uh, but 
to your point, I just I don't think he's not he afraid to throw weight. his 166 pounds into the mix and make tackles. Yeah, that's what you want to hear about a 166 yeah. pound guy. I don't think he can gain weight. So, at, at, actually, real quick, Kalijah Kansi, same size thing. Um, I, he's such a unique player. I don't think it's fair to compare anybody to Aaron Donald, but obviously the pit comparisons. Um, how high do you think he could go? Because I've seen wild, you know, everywhere from 10, the Eagles to, you know, mid-20s. Uh, where, where do you think his range should be? I think his range should be round two. Um, because we kind of love the, the quick flash of the, you know, quick pressure, getting the backfield to make a play. But when you watch these guys on a down to down basis and and you see how they handle duo blocks, combo blocks, getting off blocks, uh, that's only going to ratchet up as you get to the pro level. Uh, I feel like he could be a good situational guy, good NASCAR Packers guy, because he can, he even has some ability to rush on the outside. So, but you're talking, if you're taking him high, you're expecting him to be, that down-to-down guy up front. I don't think that's where his skill set is from a consistency standpoint, from a point-of-attack strength standpoint. Um, that makes him different than Aaron Donald to in, in that regard. Um, so I think his range should be round two. I know he tested well. I know he ran fast, all that good stuff. Uh, but just from a pure functional strength standpoint, he has to improve there, which in my book would slide him down to round two. Emery, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. We're running a bit, a little bit late. Between you and me, we could probably do 25 more minutes with you if we had it. Thank you very much for jumping in with us today. We'll get you on after the draft. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Emery. Emery Hunt from game plan, uh, footballgameplan.com. Uh, you can catch him on CBS HQ as well. All right, J-Mac, J-Mac, coming back. We got to put a bow on the show here on Bird Street 65. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Quote the guest we had on here today, Ed Kratz, and uh, specific, specifically Emery Hunt, who was just on with us. Uh, I'll let you play a guessing game, Johnny Mac, as we wrap this bad boy up. Why do I like Emery Hunt? What did Emery Hunt say today that impressed me more than anything else? Um, I don't know. I'll tell you what can impresses me about Emery. Go ahead. Um, he's not a groupthink guy. Like you know, you hear all these. You know, everybody's in the same cluster. Like he does his um, scouting reports, and he doesn't give a, a a rat's ass about somebody else's scouting reports. So, but I don't know where you're going. That's here's where my... I here's where and why I appreciated Emery Hunt. He revealed that he ranked Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Kaiser yeah. with the same exact grade. Yeah. If you made that call a couple of years ago. I'd be sweeping that one under the rug. Oh, yeah. If you had Deshaun um, Kaiser on a honesty, with yeah. Watson well, that's another Pat thing. Bowles. You should like me. I say the same thing about Ryan Leaf, but a lot of people had Deshaun Kaiser. I remember when Deshaun Kaiser was number one coming into that season. All the early before the season traffic, started, yes. Yeah. All the early mock drafts, which are meaningless, obviously. That's the reason why a lot of them had him at number one overall. And, uh, yeah, he had a bad year, he, and it he just kept going down, down. And if you had him yeah. ranked that at the end of the year going into the draft, I was a little nervy, and I appreciate a guy who says, yeah, I got this right, I got this. Oh, my God, did I get that wrong. Uh, you make your picks. You, that's what your gig is. You're uh, putting your Everybody opinion out you got to take the with the losses. One of the dumbest things is, oh, how he can't trap, how he got Jalen Rager wrong, how he got that, uh, Everybody gets draft picks wrong. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Everybody. Not not one, not not two. Everybody gets draft picks wrong. And I, I like to think of myself as a pretty good uh, scout slash evaluator when it comes to college football quarterback talent. Yeah, I thought Chad May was going to be Troy Aikman coming out of Kansas State, and the kid just couldn't play in the National Football League level. Yeah, you get you get some right, you get some yeah. wrong. You take your. I prefer to laps. talk about I got you know I got Aaron Donald right, uh, but I got you know I got Ryan Leaf. That was a big yeah, big swing get, and a miss. And I like when guys uh, cop to those that they get wrong. And we'll give you credit if you get it right. Uh, so thanks to Emery Hunt. Thanks to Ed Kratz. Tomorrow we got Mike Gill early in his usual Wednesday spot. 
And oh, Matt Manicharian's going to jump in. Yeah. Another one of our other scouts. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're heavily into the draft. It's still two weeks away, but we're going to beat it to a like a drum until we get there. Uh, Johnny Mac, you and I back again tomorrow. You in? I'm in. The return of Mac and Mac in two and two, 22 hours, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.